in or does that date the show? We can. We can. I'm just glad this song is, I always say it, but it's great. Doesn't it kind of have a similar, like, like a melody as the intro to Arrested Development? I've never seen and Arrested and Development. And You've got to see Arrested Development. Are you kidding me? Are you no. lost? I know. I know. I love comedy, and I don't watch any. I've never watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I've never seen yeah. Portlandia. Yeah. I've never Matt seen is the either. one that introduced Arrested Development to me. So I watched really? it. That. yeah you mentioned it i'm like you know i haven't seen it that was years ago wow yeah you've it's... had a profound impact on my life okay andres yes welcome to another episode of executive exercises today we're doing a special episode with pat roach so here's what happened we were at the alumni reunion this weekend if that dates the show it dates the show but we're recording this in july of mm. 2023 and uh yeah uh, alicia Hugg it dates the show that's the definition of dating the show um alicia huck was uh you know we we saw a bunch of actually a bunch of us had actually never met in person before um which was good to see you guys it was, it was, it was good to hang out but alicia had mentioned that she was uh checking out some of pat's uh organization meet, like meetings and kind of watching him do his masterful job of being a a leader and mentor to a bunch of his agents and a bunch of people over at Southwestern Real Estate. And she's so fired up about it that she's like, we should just have an episode where we drill Pat with questions about his mentality and how he does this. And so that's what this episode is going to be about. It's inspired by that. Uh, we have some questions. And ideally, if Will Metro joins us a little later, that'd be that'd be um, questions from him as well. But if not, no worries. Hopefully just take out some, some uh, pen and paper and write some stuff down because I have a feeling this is going to get really, really uh, full of good wisdom for any sort of leadership or management or, uh, you know, role that involves leading or uh, handling a large group of people. So yeah. with that, I'll hand it over to Lee, uh, hey. kick us off, and then we can jump in. Hey, good. Thanks, Andres. I, I should require my own bumper music after you talk, but I, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, we all need our own little uh, theme. It would have to be uh, money from Pink Floyd. Boom, 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 yeah, that's boom, boom. that's old old reference from sales school. But normally, you folks that are tuning in are listening to a panel of people discussing a topic. So today is a new twist where we're featuring one of our own, our own Pat Roach. So uh, Pat, can you just and Pat's got a new, if you're doing this visually, he's got a new studio set up. He's got a wall of foam, new headphones, a new mic, and a new shirt that he's washed. So uh, yeah. anyway, so we should jump in. Um, just Pat, give us a, I keep wanting to drift into reminiscing about the reunion, but that's irrelevant. There were eight, which was, it was yeah. maddening, and it was fun. And Pat, you can tell us stories about your clothing, your attire issues, or not. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Pat, uh, we're going to open the mic to you. But tell it just tell us just a teeny bit of background because you've shared this before about Southwestern real estate, kind of how you got started. And then I wanted to jump to, without having Alicia here to say, here's what I saw, and this is why I thought it would be good to highlight Pat. We'll just pepper you with questions and see where it goes. So tell us your background. Okay. Well, first of all, in case you're like, wait, why the heck would Alicia want to do this in the first place? Here's what I, because I knew we were going to have this big group get together, the family reunion or whatever in Nashville, I, I have a group of leaders within our company at Southwestern Real Estate that we meet early. Um, so we get together, kind of go, how are we doing? What do we need to do better? Where should we, you know, like getting more voices in the room. And, you know, Alicia is a rock star consultant. Like she's working with all kinds of companies all the time. And I was like, hey, if you don't have anything going on tomorrow morning, this would be Saturday after the first Friday hangout. If you want to come sit in, I'm thinking free consulting, you know, from a brilliant woman who is just like top of her game. Why right. wouldn't I? She had nothing else going on. So she's like, yeah, let's go. So that's where that all came from. And apparently she's got a page notes for me that I 
can't wait to go over. So there's a bunch of tips that I'm about to get and I'm looking forward to that. Um, okay. So, so, so my background is sold books for six summers, became a sales manager for another seven ish. So I think I had a 13 year career at Southwestern advantage. And then the travel schedule was such where I didn't live up to my, you know, fatherly, husbandly duties in the way I wanted to uh, and continue that career. So I told them, I, I think it's time for me to quit. And they said, hey, a bunch of kids are going from Southwestern Advantage into residential real estate and all forms of real estate. Would you want to start a real estate company? That could be a part of the corporation. You could build that out and it'd give people a home where they could go from you know, selling books to selling real estate. And so the problem was that I didn't really know too much about real estate. Um, so I said, I was going to flip houses. This should be said. I had some real estate investing going on just as a past partner, mostly with guys that I sold books with. And so I, I felt like I was familiar with the industry a little bit, but I didn't know how to be a realtor. And I certainly didn't know how to build the business of a residential brokerage and how does the thing make money and all that kind of stuff. How do you even get clients? I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, so I said, I'll think about it. And after about a year, it made sense for me to come back to Henry Bedford and say, I think I've tapped into how this thing works. I think it would be pretty exciting to do this with Southwestern Advantage as a partner in, in the family of companies because I'm not super excited. Most of the brokerages that I interviewed over the course of that year trying to collect information, I was very often convinced that the person I was talking to was a really kind, decent, maybe even interesting person. Um, but most of the people who worked at the offices, as I could see it, uh, either kept to themselves um, or they were not people I was necessarily excited about. Like, I thought, cool people, I probably wouldn't want to work here. This doesn't really seem like my jam. Now, I'd all I'd known was Southwestern, right? So there was a, a piece of that culture that really made me go, I like the people who come to work here. I always would hear stories like, no, there's bigger and better opportunities. Just open up your mind to the, explore the options. And maybe there's a lot of truth to that. I know Sheridan Donald went on to do great things and he's like, man, you guys don't even know how much better you could do, blah, blah, blah. But what I do know is I have really loved the people that I've worked with at Southwestern in all phases. And I think there's something to that. It attracts a certain kind of um, person and culture that that's worth a lot, at least in terms of psychic income, you know, maybe not dollars, but psychic income, it's worth a lot. And, um, and so I really thought I would much rather try and build a new version of what I'm experiencing filled with people that get the way Southwestern thinks and functions and behaves. I'd like to, I'd like to come up with that. I think that actually would stand out. I think it'd be a new thing to a degree. Um, it's take, taking an old industry and just putting a new spin on it. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I got a question. Just stopping you for a second there. So put a comma in there. So what percent of your success at Southwestern real estate would you attribute to the people and that kind of camaraderie, bringing that into the equation and ver versus the business structure and function and organization. Um, I, okay, I don't wanna get into exact numbers because then it's just gonna be a distraction. So let me just try to put it in proportion terms. Okay, yeah. I think if Pat Roach started Pat Roach Real Estate and just was like, here, I'm gonna just do this on my own, you know, just be a, be a realtor. Um, or maybe if I just decided, Hey, I'm going to go join Keller Williams or pick another brokerage and I'll just do the stuff that they teach you. And I'll just go on to do that thing. I think I would probably still be a top producing agent. I think I would figure out how to make a good amount of money that, you know, would be fine. But 
leading this thing for a lot of other people who are coming behind and then also developing some people to where they're actually really good at it. And now I have this position where I'm like, but I still want to lead. So I still want to go out there and, and crush it. Um, has probably has helped me learn how to sell twice as much real estate as I would have if I was just doing the normal. So in other words, doing the normal would have been a successful venture, would have been enough. Um, I think I do twice as much production because I've got people looking at me to forge a path. And and I would also say this, I think they all expect the people who are leading and having the highest levels of production to also maintain a healthy lifestyle. So we make a big deal about not uh, being workaholics. This is a thing we do uh, while we maintain healthy life. Good. So yeah, it's what you do. It's not who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. So many questions on all, even just this far. Good, good stuff, uh, Pat and Lee. Great question. Um, okay. I guess, I guess I kind of know more of the background of the story of how Southwestern real estate itself grew. And for context for people listening who maybe don't, maybe they've been out of the book field for a while or they didn't sell books, which this podcast is sometimes listened to by this, these episodes that are listening to people who didn't sell. So, for context, for you to become a district sales manager for Southwestern, that's not a small feat. That That's like a marathon of a career and commitment level that a lot of people who try it actually don't quite get there um, in general. So to, there's a lot of leadership development and a lot of management experience that you gain that, that out over that course. Then you go over to real estate. I remember that Sarah Goss was the first person that became, that made you a more than just Pat Roach. Try yeah. and sell, you know, and so she's the first person that comes over, and now you have a team, and it's just you and her. And she almost kind of had to go find you. It wasn't like you were actively necessarily looking for it. She just kind of came and found you. So, at what point during this run of what it, what Southwest Real Estate is now, which is you have a ton of agents all over the country, um, at what point did it become? Oh, I'm just going to try to start a real estate company and you know fail forward until I figure it out. To oh, we can build, we can actually build an organization that's that, like where 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 did that transition come into play and how did you sure. like accept that responsibility? Okay, so I'm going to back it up a little bit to give context because this actually all works together in terms of how this thing happened. So long and short, I won't go into all the gory details, but long and short of it is. In that uh, year between Southwestern Advantage and starting Southwestern Real Estate, I was doing a lot of real estate investing in various forms as a really naive investor. It, it was just 2005. You could put money into real estate and it all turned into gold. So I just kind of kept doing more things. And then the market shifted and I got totally caught with my pants down and how naive and unintelligent I had been in my process was clear as day. And so I lost everything. Like I was net worth minus $350,000. Like zero, like it was like I had to go consult with bankruptcy attorneys and things like that. Jeez. Now, it, there's a lot of details to that. And there's probably other podcasts that told that details and it's interesting but it was also very life-shaping um when i started the company i had to tell henry by the way <laughs> um he was like can we we'll start you on the may 15th paper and i was like could we do may 1st um because i really didn't have any credit cards that could bridge to get me the additional 15 days i was that desperate okay so now you have to know that to know this he said, fine, we'll just pay you a paycheck until you become profitable. And then you switch over to commission because we're all learning this together. It makes sense. We're going to have to invest in you to get what we want out of this thing. So as I got year three, where I, we made profit as, in, as a company. So beyond what they paid me, the company made a little money back. Year four, similar type of situation. And then year five, when Sarah joined. Um, leading up to Sarah joining, because I was able to not only exceed what they were paying me, but I actually had a little extra left over. 
was such a night and day difference to what it feels like to be so absolute destitute that I had but just been a few years earlier, right? So I'm like settling massive amounts of debt with the banks and trying to figure out how to come up with enough to get them off my back and all these different things. It was horrible, like horrible, horrible. Now, when you start doing a business where you're like, holy cow, I actually can pay all my bills. Um, I got my house back out of foreclosure. Like it's like I'm living in my house. Like uh, nobody's sending nasty letters anymore. Um, like I can go to my kids' sporting events. I can hang out and have dinner at my house every night. Like the night and day difference from that was so extreme that what I was most compelled by was maybe I just need to tell Henry I just want to be here. Like I've I've got everything I need right now. I don't know that I want anything bigger or better or I just like I I I know how bad that felt. This feels so good. Um, and I, that was a normal conversation I was having with people I respect. Should I have a talk with Henry and go? I'm not the guy to build, just a guy to participate. Um, and then Sarah found me um, because I sent out a letter to all the alumni in the Chicago market just saying, hey, if you ever wanted a man to stay at your house or your friends need somebody sharp, you know, I'm your guy. And then she reached out. And she's like, hey, I got your mailer. And I used to do new home sales construction, which requires you to go sit in a model home all day long. So could you talk to me about what it would be like to work with you? So she really did recruit herself in. And I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. She's kind of forcing the issue here. So I'm going to have to do it. Well, a couple of things that are awesome. Sarah is like, she's from small town, Iowa, you know, and I'm from small town, Wisconsin. And her husband's from small town, Wisconsin. So it's like, it's like you're meeting your cousin or something or like your sister, you know, mm -hmm. like this is like very familial connection that we had. And then as you start to teach somebody how to do this and somebody as talented as Sarah who you tell her here's what you do and you know you give them 75% of the information that they actually need because you're like well this is you know what I know I've never taught somebody this before so you know kind of go do this she can fill in the rest of the 25% just fine you know she doesn't need 100% of the info it's like give me an outline I'll run with that and so Sarah started to click and do the thing and she would ask me the questions that she needed and I'd fill that in. But it, together we just slow walked this thing. And what was so cool is when I saw her getting success, it reawoke inside of me this thing that I had as a sales manager, where mm -hmm. when you watch those book kids, you send them out from sales school and you're just like, oh God, please let every single one of them just get a sale somewhere, <laughs> you know, like, just please make it like, and then they do. And you see them struggle and, and it, grit and, you know, crawl for it. And then they make it. And then some of them even just crush it. And it's just such a, a, a relief to know that they, they're going to find their way. Um, and to see that happen with Sarah again, it just made me go, man, I actually need this in my life. This is a yeah. thing that I, think is required for me to like uh, to be fulfilled. I, I want to be able to help other people. And so I said, all right, I think we'll let's try this again. And we added another person and then another. Um, now putting those two careers together, here's what I also think is interesting. When I was a sales manager, um, I would go to these things like Brian Ross was a good friend of mine and he recruited at schools like Florida state and all these other big state schools. And he'd go into a room with, you know, 50 people in there and he'd run a, you know, day one interview and he'd pick up like 20, 30 dealer agreements and then he'd put them through their process. And out of those, you know, he'd end up bringing two people to sales school or whatever. And that was fine because he was doing it all the time. And it just, it was his thing. Um, I came from Wheaton College, where the only people I ever recruited was from a coffee notebook, you know, and I would just do those like five a day, you know, as a young sales manager, five, seven, 10 a day. And then I'd end up getting three or four people in the 
process and then one or two of them would come to sales school so it was like kind of similar outcome but a different way of getting there yeah a copy notebook may be a term that people are not familiar with (laughs) oh yeah Uh, people are like what in the world a coffee notebook i never had that is it at starbucks um so that's a simply warmer method of prospecting where you're sitting down with fewer people showing them a notebook invite and generally people you have some connection with whereas the brian ross method was just doing the numbers getting them in sharing your story seeing what you know throwing the mud against the wall seeing what sticks that sounds crude but either were effective you just had a warmer method okay and i remember like i eventually built up schools like purdue and washington state university of idaho where they expect you to come in and run those and they yeah field managers fill a room for you and i'm not kidding every single time they'd see me do that once and they go we'll take the next one yeah. <laughs> even though sales managers in town you're supposed to run the show they're like no we're not doing that i'm wasting yeah. my prospects on pat yeah. But put me around a table with three, four people, yeah. and I'm Cup pretty good in that, right? That's where kind of like where people are like, I don't even know what he's doing, but I kind of want to do it. You know, um, I think people generally feel that way when they. I was at a wedding the other day, and I just met this guy, and we're having a great conversation. And he's like, "So, what do you do?" I'm like, "I yeah, I sell houses." And he's like, "Man, I don't even need to move, but I want to buy a house from you." So. <laughs> I know that there's a thing that I have that works with people on an individual level. And right. so what has become true about how I built my organization with as a district sales manager to now as uh, leading this real estate company is we don't do mass recruiting. Um, the numbers for real estate are horrible. 86% of people who get a real estate license are out of the business within 18 months nationally. Really? Yeah. Oh. So you think about that. Would you want to be in a business where there's that kind of attrition? Think about what that would do to the people who are sticking around. Yeah. Um, think about what that does to your psyche as a recruiter or a leader. It's like a revolving door. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. Um, now, I don't know how big we can grow. And I don't know if big is should even be the primary focus. Growth is important, but, you know, getting to be, uh, you know, a thousand agents might not be a smart goal if it is at the expense of your culture. Right. Now, we we can get to a thousand agents by maintaining our culture. We're going to have to do it a little different way. I, I do have a question. Yes. If I can interrupt. So can you, so you have that innate skill of connecting with people on some level where they want to be with you, involved with you, involved in your adventure. Is that a transferable skill to your team? I think it is in this way. We uh, Another thing we talk about is the idea that work life is life life. Um, keeping in mind that the way that we find our clients is through the referrals recommendations of people we already know. Right. So it's people, my friends actually refer me business when their friends need real estate help. And it's an automatic like, Hey, well, if you don't have somebody, you should talk to Pat. He's my friend. He's awesome. So my friends live, they swim in the water. And so what, um, so when we have Annie, and Annie's in Nashville and Annie meets a girl who works at the bank and she's like, oh, why are you bringing in these checks to deposit these checks all the time? I see you in here. And she's like, oh, well, I sell real estate. And she's like, oh my gosh, I got my real estate license. I'm working with this other company. I still have to keep my job here. But, you know, it's like, I don't know. They said they were going to help me and and they kind of helped me initially. And now I'm kind of just like left to myself and it's not going. And Annie is like, well, we always try to make sure that somebody has a direct mentor that is responsible to help that person and meet with them all the time and help, help them become successful. And now that girl's like, could, how do I get into your interview process? Right now she may be a good fit. She may not, but what, if she is, Annie is going to be one-on-one with her as she builds her career for the long haul. 
So there is a personal thing. It's not just, uh, you know, come on in. I hope you can figure it out and attend these classes. Yeah. So Annie is the one that makes that connection and develops the relationship. She doesn't go, hey, Pat, I got somebody for you to talk to. I mean, she says, yeah, could you help me with the interview process? That would be Pat's job. But if if this girl comes to work with us, Annie is her mentor. Annie's the one who's going to meet with her and show her the way and hold her hand and take the phone calls and, you know, all the things that people need. And that's so personal. So it's, it's, and going back to the work life is life. If somebody invests that much time with you, you feel a sense of they're caring for me in a meaningful way. They're not just, you know, trying to help me sell some houses. Like she obviously cares to spend that much time. Um, And so at the end of the day, we're living these lives and there are boundaries that need to be included in things. So we do talk about, talk about that a lot, but in the end, it, it, we want this to be personal. Yeah. So how did you, well, you go ahead, Andres. I've got no, questions. I'm not- no. Yeah. This is all so good. Like, so the, that method was just kind of what you've learned with, through Sarah of, well, like, cause you did that for her and then that just never changed. Right. Well, like I did that how- as a sales manager first. Right. And then as I accidentally did it with Sarah, I was like, well, oh, I remember these feelings. I remember this, like, this is like a, I'm like, it's good for her too. And yeah. it's good for me. And I'm making a friend in the process, uh, which is probably why it hurts really bad when somebody does leave. Mm-hmm. Like I feel kind of cut to the core. Um, I, I know that I have to honor and respect somebody's decision to do that. And I do that in a healthy way, but it does really hurt. Yeah. Um, and it's because I've allowed myself to feel that, but that's unique in the industry is what you're saying. Like when that, that select, not selectivity, that's not the right word, but that, that method of you're going to be nurtured until you're ready to fly on your own. That's not really like industry standard is what I'm, or I'm picking up or assuming. Yeah, there's, well, there's probably a few different reasons why. One is because of how most of the comp structures are set up. Um, They're not, like if you, Keller Williams has a group of people who are responsible for bringing people in and mentoring them. And they have things like that. Um, Ours just is set up differently, um, where people have a long-term interest in that person for the duration of their career. Um, but in the end, it's not a ton of money. It's just like, we want to honor the time and energy that's spent. And, and if you did end up, you know, developing 50 people, I probably have a nice chunk of change there, but what everybody understands in, in real estate is the way you actually make a good income is from helping people buy and sell property. And that's why we're not creating these big management layers to the whole thing. Everybody sells real estate. Let's just get enough strong leaders mixed in there so people can have the kind of assistance they need in building their careers. But every leader sells real estate is their primary form of income. And most of those leaders are the ones that lead the company. Right. So, yeah. So, so the recruiting aspect isn't something that you emphasize. It's just more organic. It naturally happens due to relationships. Or do you, you know, at Southwestern, we had sales awards recruiting awards, management award, you know, uh, more we're about sales and, oh yeah, by the way. I think we're at a point. So when we had our 15 year anniversary, uh, a year and a half ago, um, we ran our first great recruiter seminar because we were like, you know, we're kind of at the point where we've got enough agents that we actually have to be more intentional about this. Like, yeah. Telling people to go, like empowering people to go, hey, if you spot somebody who's talented, who's sharp, who would enjoy the career that you have, you should talk to them. You should bring them in and we can help with the recruiting, uh, like the interviewing and the onboarding and all that kind of stuff. But it gives you another opportunity to impact somebody's life as their mentor. Some people would kill to have a job like you've got. And so just be aware that you can find those people. And and if you have an eye to see them, they'll show up for you. So we're trying to turn the corner on that. Uh, But the pay just isn't going to be 
where you're going to build a career doing it. It just like doesn't a, work out. Like being an organizational leader. Yeah. You're not going to pay for your <laughs> great income from your 2% <laughs> override in your organization. That's yeah. a good thing for Southwestern. Okay. Well, but that, that speaks to the fact that you're keeping the main thing the main thing. You're a real estate company, and money comes in when the house is sold period. Like there's yeah. no, there's no getting around that. It's like, and that's right. actually a direct translation to books. I mean, you can have a 20% org, but if out of the 20 people, only one of them selling books, there's your check, you know? And so yeah. it's like the, the, by keeping the transaction, which is we sold a house and now money's coming as the priority, then the rest of it kind of falls into place when you're still also focused on building a culture of mentorship, which mm-hmm. it sounds like that's why it's working is you're still primarily selling homes. It's just that as people come in, you're not leading them out to dry. Like maybe, but that's maybe the opposite of the book field where it's like, all right, it's your first day selling books. And I know we did sales school, but go knock on some doors. I'll see, you know, I'll see you tonight at nine thirties, how it went. And that, that's like your first three weeks with the exception of a couple of follow days. Right. That's yeah, like, yeah. just go eat, go eat shit, <laughs> go eat shit for like three weeks and then like fifth week you're now just like all right now you're starting to get it now we're going to give you some solid pcs the first yeah. three weeks it's about survival versus you it's like all right you're going to have a follow day every day until you're ready to go and that's a huge yeah, we're definitely going to pay attention to their we want them to be successful right so we're going to do whatever we can to help them with that now and one of the things that i think is important to note here is um when you sell door to door like Everybody knows it's, it might not be my idea of a good time, but I could do it and, you know, whatever. There's an attraction to the career of that job of going, man, I can't wait till I can be done selling books. Like it'll be, I can't wait to have my people and have a thing, but it's like, I can't wait to be a manager and not sell anymore. Like that can easily develop. Mm. Uh, with real estate, that was a thing that we actually wanted to be super intentional about. And thankfully, the, our hands were tied because there's not enough money to pay management level people. Right. So what? Everybody sells. Everybody's always going to sell. And this is a house selling career. Now, there's no place to escape. Like, I'm just going to be a trainer. Okay. How are we going to pay you? They come up with that idea. Uh, I just want to lead people. Uh, how are we going to pay you for that? I, just, I hope you don't mind a massive pay cut. Uh, it, it, everybody just goes, we're all here. We all enjoy selling houses. There's a lot of beauty and fun in doing that. So that's just what we do. Now, if you think about that, if you're new to real estate and you're going to join brokerage A, B, C, or Southwestern Real Estate, and everybody sells houses, everybody, that's what everyone's job description is, then it also lets you settle in to go, they're doing what I'm doing. And this isn't a thing to escape. This is a thing to enjoy. How do these guys stay so in love with this career, you know, 15 years in? Because that's all they perceive themselves doing when they're day one realtor, right? But if they learn, oh, you could also become a trainer, you could also become this other manager guy or girl. Well, the, the problem is as soon as you have your first down year, which is probably going to happen, then yep. you start going, I got to get done with this. I, make me a trainer. Yeah, I, I sucked so bad this year. Make me a trainer. I don't want to yeah. have to face my you know fears anymore. So there's something culturally that happens when you go, uh, these guys want me to be really good at this. And they're all just doing that. That makes sense. Yeah, now I know why I was the lead trainer at Southwestern. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I even got it. I'm like, dude, get me a job or I can just. Anyway, uh, sorry, I just had to ask. Uh, go on, Lee. Do your thing. No. Uh, so I had questions. So let me just. I have a bunch had of questions. questions. I did have questions. Um, what was, do you know, all Alicia said on our little DM here was Pat's awesome. What a tremendous thing he's created. Blah, blah. I saw him in action, you know, and you haven't seen her notes. (laughs) Right. Can you articulate perhaps what caused her to react that way? Because she's no spring chicken when it comes to 
watching leaders. So she was right. impressed. Okay. So over the last few years, I've spent a lot of time, a lot of time um, getting trained and learning uh, more about emotional intelligence. Yes. From a psychotherapist specifically. Okay. Wow. So Jules Wilhelm has been my uh, sage uh, mentor and or whatever you want to say. So come up with the term for that. But nice. So she's a trained psychotherapist. She had a, uh, uh, you know, was a therapist for a number of years. And then she went into leadership training and she does all these things and she's great. Um, and I was in one of her classes and she started doing some emotional intelligence stuff. And I was like, basically here's her premise. When people get stuck in their work, um, most managers will tend to look at, well, let's talk about your numbers. Let's look at your schedule. Now, like, you know, talk to me about what's not working for you and maybe I can fix it for you. Hmm. And, and then we go, well, see, I, I addressed all the issues and now this person should be able to go do their job and the person can leave that thing going, I now have all the answers I need and right. then they're still off schedule. Right. Now right. that reminds me, interjection, Yep. of a Sunday meeting, sitting down with a person on your team and the typical student manager looks at the... Uh, weekly report and starts going through stats with them. How can you get your demos up? So that's yeah. the logical side of fixing somebody. Yes. Okay, yes. keep going. So what, and this took me a little bit to totally get on board with it. I mean, it seems pretty obvious now as I say to you guys, but it took me a little while to actually put this into practice. But she was like, there's stuff going on below the surface that if you can actually just help them process what's going on below the surface, now that person can go back to work. Yes. And as long as that stuff doesn't get addressed, you can fix all the technical things in the world. And so what does that mean? And the way that she started to talk about this, which was really hard coming out of Southwestern, was pay attention to your emotions. Mm-hmm. And that emotions are your body's way of giving you information that you can interact with. Okay. I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling that? I'm feeling this because that happened. Okay. Now let me deal with that. Let me sit with that. Let me kind of think about that for a minute. All right. But paying attention to your emotions. I mean, literally my group in the, was called the Cadillac organization, which oh, yeah. was about, smooth and steady don't feel anything yeah. like don't get down and don't get up just if you if you start to feel good bank it because you're going to need those don't don't indulge those feelings because you're going to need them because pretty soon you're going to be right. down and now you'll find your homeostasis back to equilibrium i remember your talk about not ever crying on the book field and you got to the point where you had to tilt your head up and their, your tears welled up, and you, but you didn't cry. But the, your eyes were full. No emotions, baby. Yeah, there were whole I mean, organizations dedicated to that. I mean, yeah, to be here talking about Boyd's organization and Locker, and there was no emotions allowed. So nothing against. Yeah. That. Go ahead. And, what, and what I what I've started to pay attention to is um, if, like, a, so many salespeople, they disregard their emotions. Um, and it's, and it's a helpful tool to be able to have in a pinch, but it's just, um, because sometimes you do need to be able to, you know, find equilibrium in a, in a pinch, um, to help you accomplish something you need to accomplish. that's right in front of you, but you can get stuck with unprocessed emotion and it dams up and, and emotions are supposed to flow through you. So all this stuff I'm learning and I'm just like, whoa, feel the feelings. I don't know if that's a good idea. I think, but as I've learned more about it, here's where this has shown up. For my quarterly leadership meetings, and this is what Alicia saw, um, we spend the first hour uh, going around the table with an emotional check-in. And essentially what we do is I, oh, go ahead. How many, how many people are we talking about? Six. Okay, so it's a small. So these group. are these are your leaders of like different or like uh, at just different people levels. that I've 
yeah, it used to be a super secret group. So I guess I'm spilling the beans now, but we just, yeah, you don't have to share your trade secrets. I was just yeah. curious how big a group was sitting in a circle, you know, yeah. filling it. And because it's quarterly and this is, you know, we see each other in person a couple other times during the year, but because it's quarterly, we're going to spend time getting below the surface. Uh, it's confidential. So people know it's safe. And the way I started out is I hand out what they're all used to now is a list of emotions. And it's like ranging from low intensity to high intensity on these different columns. And I'm like, okay, just take a general check-in with yourself and just like, what have you been dealing with? What feelings have you been experiencing a lot lately? And I just want you to circle all of them that apply. And then, um, and then we're going to go around and talk about that. And so, of course, most people have a mixture of things, right? Some of these things, and it's not positive or negative. We've stopped using that language. It's pleasant and unpleasant. And the reason is, is because negative says it's a bad emotion. Right. But it's actually just information. It's all information. So it's some information is pleasant and some information is unpleasant. And so um, as people are talking about, here's what I've been dealing with, and here's the emotions that came to mind. Uh, this is what my body is essentially telling me I'm dealing with. And, I, and then that leads to the next question, which is, okay, so you just spilled your guts on all this stuff you've been feeling with. What would be the most helpful thing? And this is all language that I actually helped Jules change from the way she taught it to me. She used to say, now, why don't you ask the group, Pat, what do you need from the group right now? Right. What would what do you need from this group? Just given all the things you've shared. And I was like, need is a tricky word. I don't think we want to say that because most salespeople go, I don't need anything. I'll be fine. So we changed it to out of the, out of, here's a bunch of categories of, ways that people might be able to help you right now, what would be most helpful given all the stuff you've said? Do you just, do you need somebody to be truthful with you or do you need grace right now? Do you need somebody to celebrate with you? Do you need containment? Do you need attunement? Do you need empathy? Like you can go, we have it all on a chart with definitions so they can go back through and go, oh, you know what I need? I just need somebody to tell me like validation. I just need somebody to tell me they've been here before and what I did is okay. And then I would say, okay, who around the table would be a good person to do that for you? Smart. And then they go, wow. uh, Sarah. And Sarah gets picked all the time because I think she's like team mom. Like she is like so awesome. mom, feminine, you know, just mom. She, um, so many people go, I'd like to hear that from Sarah. And then Sarah says, you know what? I, this is what I heard you say. And I just want you to know you're okay. Like that's an okay thing to happen. So it, it, that, uh, healing. Yeah. I'm use yeah. That yeah. Yeah. That takes place on the spot or do you break off and do a personal conference? That nope. Right there with the group. group. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and, th and this is just the first hour of your meeting. Like this is how you open up the whole meeting. It's quarterly. So we're not doing this every meeting, right? There's a right. short lightning round version of this that we do uh, at different meetings to open things up. Because I just think it's super important for, uh, for us to teach people how to check in with themselves. Yeah. How, how, to, how to ask themselves, what am I feeling and what do I do with that? What does that mean? Right. So, Look at my like vision of um, what I'm doing, building as a president of Southwestern Real Estate. It, it, I really feel like if I can spend my career helping people build a business, their own real estate, and doing fine financially that they want to do, and all that kind of stuff, but in that same process, they learn how to become in touch with their emotions, how to let emotions flow through them, how to connect with that information and be a, a live a, a much more like connected life. I mean, what a gift to give yeah. somebody. And, and I'm starting to get that in my forties. 
And so for me to be able to go now, this is kind of what I do. Um, I don't mean this in a sac sacrilegious sense, but I do feel like it's more of a church um, without necessarily invoking God. I feel like God's present in it just because God is present. Um, but I feel like the work I'm doing is that kind of healing. It's that kind of like he healthy uh, way of, of, you know, connecting with other people. That's awesome. So this, this is super interesting because this is so, I don't want to say backwards or upside down from what we learn in Southwestern, but it, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's just, it, it, I mean, and I'm not trying to talk crap about Southwestern's way of being, because we all went through it and, and in a way for 12 weeks, the way they do it is very sustainable, but you're offering people a career, not a 12 week program where they're going to go, you know, travel and make money and build a resume. This is like, this is your life. This is your living. Like this is how you're going to feed your kids and your wife or yeah, spouse. Be sustainable. So in order to create, to create sustainability, not just within the harsh environment of sales, but also the harsh environment of real estate in general of like, it could be competitive. There's people in the same company that you're trying to be and all you're creating this synergy by not even, I mean, you're an hour into this quarterly meeting with the, your top leaders in the company. And not once have you talked about selling a house, which is the main thing as we've discussed. So it's so interesting to just have this approach of, Hey, let's just, put everything aside let's connect the 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 camaraderie that builds within that has to be i mean oh think about it. tears are shed tears are shed like within minutes you know and it's going okay we've got something here like this group is bonded uh and they're bonded because of a mutual care and concern for each other at a deep level it's like beautiful it's really beautiful and so I, there's a phrase that Jules uses every once in a while that just really stuck with me. Um, and it's the, which, from a brain chemistry standpoint, um, and again, I don't know how all this works. I don't even know if this is one of those things that's scientifically actually true, but I believe that it's true in the sense of trueness. That our brains cannot, whatever. Sure our, you know how sometimes... Sometimes people throw out stats or they'll throw out, you know, 80% of what it's like, is that anybody okay. done a study on that? Fact check. Okay. What, what I have heard is that the, the way that our brains process when we feel heard and yes. cared for, that it feels so much like being loved that our brains don't know the difference. I agree. I so I when agree. people feel listened to, they, and feel heard, that it feels similar to the feeling that they associate with being loved. Right. And so I think there's something to that. So like, even when we do our company, like big, everybody's there, we will do some kind of check-in with your neighbor and just do a, a lightning round exchange of here's what, here's where I'm at in my life. And, and you can see in 10 minutes that at least they go away going, I barely knew this person, but we sat next to each other and now we just shared something and I feel close to them and, and they feel close to me. And that's a right. 10 minute investment. Huge. So important. I mean, I know people, I remember people in my organization that folks gravitated to. I remember Jody Roberts. It was always the person that people wanted to have a personal conference with because Jody listened without judgment and people felt validated by that and we're all scratching our heads holding weekly reports going what is stats or you know and so it took me several years to get i mean i even had people i said okay here are the people you're going to meet with this sunday and people that i was scheduled to meet with early on said do you mind if i meet with jody instead of you i mean no offense because <laughs> i wasn't in the emotional connection and allowing them to feel heard i think that's powerful well, you tapped into something that's also a major piece of that too, is withholding judgment. Yeah. Because that's not the space, that's not the time, that's not the place. When we first started doing this as a leadership group, you'd have somebody that would kind of say, here's what I'm dealing with, blah, 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 all the feelings. And invariably somebody would be like, do you mind if I just offer something real quick? 
yeah. uh, because I, I know a way that I could fix that. And, yeah. and well, we were like, hey, that's not what we do right here. That's putting on your fix it hat. All, all we're doing is we're hearing about what's happening with this person. Right. right? That's all this is. Um, because those people generally know how to fix their own situations anyway. So they don't really need that. And, and the point is, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to listen and I'm yeah. going to hear you and I'm not judging because this is just your yeah. life. Right? And, and that's all people need. Uh, oh, that, that right there is a key point where you just said is they already know how to fix it most of the time. It's just Amen. they have what they don't have is a place to just go. Bleh. Yeah. And they're stuck. Okay. Right. Okay, that's out. Okay. I, you know, Grant Greeter, we had him on the show and he, we, you know, we all know Grant built this giant organization and we asked him like, what did you guys figure out? Like, what, what was your thing? Because there was four things. One, everybody wants to be a part of something big. Two, everybody wants to feel like they can't get what they're getting at this place anywhere else. And then there was two other ones, but what you're nailing is that part. I mean, you're already, you're already creating something big. We know that because the company's been growing for 15 years. But what you're really offering is something they can't get anywhere else, which is this 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 piece right here. I think that's right. What other real estate company, like I, my sister-in-law is in real estate. And if they had something like this for her, I, without sharing too much, she, she yeah. I mean, she's already crushing it. But like how much further her potential could be if she could just like just talk about her life and balance that out. It would be huge and i and i'm not singling her out specifically if you're listening i'm just saying like every real estate agent that i've met even the person that sold us our house here in oregon i'm like i bet you they're not doing that where she's at either you know right and that's huge that's huge because that's that's why people say i know you just said 86 percent of people turn over in the industry but at, at southwestern real estate what's your retention like what like how many people stay well it's typically like 80 to 90 percent we did they, have a, yeah, we had a year that like, stay. That's the inverse. Wow. Um, but we had a year a couple of years ago where we had like a mass exodus. So I can't really say I've, it was just the year that they asked me to speak on retention uh, at the corporate meeting. <laughs> really? And then I had all these people leave and I was like, what? <laughs> but in some ways I kind of still kind of loved that because of course you think you've got your stuff together and then all of a yeah. sudden, peace love you yeah. you've been really kind to me but i'm out um it, it sucked um but then as i dug into it and all that kind of stuff it's like we might have i don't know if we got better we there was people that left that shouldn't have left and then there were people that really really needed to leave that would have been asked to leave so it's kind of like whatever it's a wash cool yeah yeah. But yeah, I think in the end, this goes back to the work life is life thing. If, if, if they, so your sister, if she needs that type of processing, she's either frustrated and, and stopped up or she's finding it somewhere else. I just kind of look at this and go, well, if I'm learning, if I'm growing in these areas, I can share this with our people. They can get that here. And so there's another reason for it to be unique and a, a place to stick yeah. around. I got a question. So do you have, let's say you've got somebody that doesn't resonate with this approach. Mm -hmm. You know, you can think of the organization or the people that might come into that setting and go emotions. What are we doing in a circle talking? You know, do you have any of that or is the people you attract? You don't, you don't attract those. I had one person who came to me and was like, um, and, and he cannot access his emotions at all. Okay. I even had him sit through, he paid to sit through one of Juliana's courses and wow. he's still like just barely able to tap. And there's a the long history, I'm sure. But in the end, he said, hey, I really have not appreciated, I don't enjoy this culture. I just, okay. and I'm like, wait, you don't appreciate, that's like what we do. Like this is the, 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 all my effort has gone towards this amazing culture. And, and he's like, yeah, I just, I think when kids sell books, it's a bad thing. I'm like, what? It's not a bad thing. What do you know? You didn't sell books. Like, yeah. I'm telling yeah. you it's a good thing. So how can you tell me it's not? You just anyway. need to get, you need to get him on a, with a backpack for 12 weeks and yeah. just throw him out. Just, you know what? Go do this. Yeah. It'll make you open up and cry. 
And he said, I've wanted to leave for a number of years, but you brought me into the business. And to be honest, um, his sales were so high. He beat me a couple of years. And his sales were so high that he was like, I looked at my total contribution of the total revenue. I was like, I wasn't going to do that to you by leaving. And uh, I was like, well, I appreciate that. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, And then we finally, when we broke the 5 million mark, I was like, if you want to go, this is a good time to do it. We can absorb the hit. And, you know, thank you for all your years of service that really help make this into a viable company. Um, and then he exited, but that was the year I didn't know all these other people were going to go. And so oh, it ended up being a real. Was he the trigger? The no. no. Okay. There, yeah. Just. But it's still, it's still a great question. So the people that stuck around are the people that are thriving because of that culture that you're building. So it, it's not for everybody. Like Nebraska, you know, it's not for right. everyone. That's their right. state slogan. Um, I, I just, again, I think there's, even if people don't have an easy time connecting with their emotions, like Phil Zilke, he's kind of an anomaly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. even Phil comes away from these interactions sensing the realness of human to human connection so how could you know at some point it's like that that is a thing that we all need and crave yeah do you you have a name for what you do i'm trying to think in my head to help people i would call it like emotional metamucil or something to just get things (laughs) but puke circle is there a name beyond emotional intelligence or a check-in or um i we we call it a check-in um yeah that seems to be the and i i think that's actually a broader term i I, there's a men's group that i went to that they started with hey we're all going to check in yeah and then they expressed emotion words and i was like and it was a quick version of that uh not nearly as deep and and that's a great thing to do for regular repeated meetings to maintain your connectivity um so i think that's like the a common thing yeah yeah check-in is a a phrase people could relate to and not be put off by so as we're winding down is there anything else that you didn't get to talk about that you felt like was important for people to hear um what i think was pretty validating from what alicia saw because then we did our you know now let's get onto the business side of things and let's and because people were well adjusted, the efficiency of the next hour was like, boom, boom, boom. Like it's going because mm-hmm. people are clear, ready to contribute. They kind of worked through and now they're excited. They're like, let's do work. Yeah. Um, but at the end of it, she said, um, you know, to the group, she was like, what you guys have here is this is actually really special mm-hmm. and you should cherish it. Like I look, talk to companies all the time. This is special. This is unique. And then offline, she was like, you are creating a, a, a healthy version of yourself in the rest of these people. These, They're talking and functioning like people who have been taught by you. Um, so... And, and a lot of them have signed up to do classes with Juliana, which is helpful to get their own like education levels up in the process. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I just think it, it's interesting from a leader's standpoint to go, uh, what are the people who are following, what are they actually getting? And to have an outsider go, they're getting what you're demonstrating. And they're accepting that and taking pieces of that into themselves. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty high that's huge. Uh, call uh, to, to consider if you want to be a leader, like be going. Because if you're not expanding who you are, then you're going to end up being somebody not worth following in a short while. When yeah. they've exceeded you, then they'll go follow somebody else. So I have to constantly be pushing myself to grow, 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 grow. If I'm growing in all different kinds of directions, I'll always have something to offer that people are like, oh, stick around. He's, he's older than me. He's learned some things and he continues to try to learn new things. And so that's a guy worth hanging around with. Amen. Um, Amen. Dang. 
That's good. Wow, this has been great. Yeah, Pat, throw your mic on the ground. <laughs> no way. Mic. I just think it was expensive. Okay. Yeah, they're not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> that was my very baby. Insightful. Yeah. Then, I mean, you're just speaking my language. How many years did I stand in front of all the student managers in sales school? And I had it in their manual. It's okay to have blank. And the answer mm -hmm. to the blank was emotions. And I would cover that. <laughs> and people would just stare at me and blink. And, and just it just did not work. It just, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's so refreshing. That's so good that you guys are tackling that and that important element in, in business. That's huge. Well done. Thanks, man. Thanks for letting me talk about it. It's a, one of my favorite topics. Yeah. Well, this is good. This is a good call. That's this a good, is a good call. call. All right. We're deeming this a good call. All That's right. right. Good call. Lee, that, you're up next. On that note, oh. yeah. Next, we got to go oh, grill yeah. Lee with some questions. I got questions. Uh, I don't Heck know. Yeah. Go, to yeah, my, go to my ponytail. <laughs> All right, guys. Peace out. We'll see you in the next All right. episode. Thanks, guys. <laughs>